where I play. As long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to the very last show of Tracking the Draft before the draft of the National Hockey League and the UFHL. My name is Dean Millard and I am also the owner of Duckman's Domination of the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League and the Director of Scouting for TSN will be along very shortly. This is where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed, and we're going to be talking about a lot of them. There is Craig's top list of, or his top 75 list. You can find it uh, on tsn.ca, and what I have done today is randomly selected 32 players that we will discuss on the program in a lightning round. Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline, www.uffsports.com is where you want to go. You can register. There you see it. Fan, scout, staff, uh, owner, depending on what you are. Yeah, you can become a scout. You can track and scout real-world players for fantasy franchises, the same guys that Craig Button does. In this format, you own the game, so get in the game. You can make some nice side Cash. This show is being broadcast on UFSN, the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, and just like UFFS, we are growing. New shows planned, big things are happening. Bookmark the YouTube page. Keep checking back if you uh, do have a uh, show of the fantasy variety that you would like to get on the network, whether it's daily, monthly, weekly. We would love to have you check out uh, the show on YouTube and email UFSN at UFFSports.com. All right, let's bring him in now, the Director of Scouting for TSN, the President of Scouting for High Level Scouting, and the VP of Scouting for Duckman's Domination, Craig Button. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button.
Craig, Christmas Eve is almost here for NHL and UFHL GMs as uh, both drafts will be taking place this weekend. And for those uh, people that want to find your full list of 75, there it is. And you can find that at tsn.ca. And what I've done today is I've just plucked 32 players out of this list and I'm going to throw the names at you in a lightning round. Here are the 32 names that we're going to be going with. Are you ready for this lightning round? I, I, I like your term, plucked. Okay, let's go. Let's, <laughs> All uh, right. let's go pluck. I hope, I hope I don't feel like a chicken about being out to slaughter at the end of this. Well, hey, if that was the case, Trish would be doing this show because she's the farm girl. Uh, I, I, I don't like to see my food before I eat it, so she, <laughs> she would be handling this. But let's... Uh, oh, 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 can I just stop you right there? Sure. So you, you're telling me, okay, growing up in Manitoba, <laughs> you can't tell me you didn't fish. So you're telling me you would fish and then you wouldn't look at what you were about to eat? Uh, as a kid, I wouldn't. Now, as an adult, I would. As a kid, oh, okay, I would. I, I wouldn't eat deer sausage because I was mad at my dad for shooting it as a kid. So I, I get that though, but I mean, there's certain foods you got to look at. I mean, yeah, do you like lobster? I do now. Yeah, I didn't eat okay, lobster yeah, until I was twenty. I mean, that's fine, but you go yeah. look at the lobster tank yeah. and pick out your lobster. I mean, now, anyway. yeah. <laughs> now I'm much better. much better. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into the number one guy pretty much on everybody's list, and uh, you'll give us about a minute-ish on each player. Let's start with Owen Power. I got nothing on him. Uh, I don't know what people see in him. Uh, you know, it's funny, Dean. You know, you know, in recent days, and I've had some inquiries from different people. Do, do you think the Buffalo Sabers won't take Owen Power? I said I can't speak for the uh, Buffalo Sabers on, on what do, do I think what they'll do. All I know is this: Owen Power is a pillar defenseman. He's a number one defenseman. He he's unique. I don't know where you find these guys. I don't know where you find the players that can think the game, you know, have, have the net, have the skills and the attributes that you want in in a defenseman that can control the game. So, I mean, I, I, I for me, Dean, he he has clearly established himself for me as the best player in the draft. All right, let's move on to the next guy on the list, Brant Clark. What can you tell us about him? Well, it's the imagination. I mean, if if he was some kind of uh, uh, of an artist, he, he, he would be brilliant. He, he he would be the one that starts with the blank canvas. You never know what he's going to come up with. He's the same way on the ice. And he doesn't limit his abilities. He, he looks at a play and says, I can make that play. And he looks at plays that others wouldn't even consider trying. And not only does he try it, he can execute. Indeed. All right. One of your favorites I know for this draft is Matthew Beneers. Uh, give us the skinny on Maddie. Yeah, well, I mean, the skinny on Maddie is is that when you, you look at all the areas of the game, and you, you, we can talk about five-on-five five play, we can talk about skating, we can talk about playmaking, we can talk about penalty killing, power play, versatility. Well, that's everything that describes Maddie Beneers. I've compared him to Bo Horvath. And you know, that might be a little bit light in some people's eyes, because people that I have great respect for, you know, have compared the style of his game to that of Jonathan Taze. I don't think I need to add anything more uh, to a comparison to Jonathan Taze. 
No, indeed, you do not. All right, uh, the first uh, non-North American player, William Eklund, uh, who is also number four on Craig's list of top 75. You can find that at tsn.ca. Tell us a little bit about William Eklund. William is a a really good offensive player. And, And the thing that I love about him the most is that he's got this, what I like to call, striker's mentality. When we watch, you know, great football, we just watch the Euro and we watch those great strikers, Ronaldo, Messi didn't play in the Euro. But when we look at those great strikers, they, they, they might not be the fastest players, they might not be the biggest players, but they have that mentality and that understanding of how to strike and when to strike. That to me is William Eklund. We've been hearing about the Hughes family a lot, and here's another one. Luke Hughes, number five on your list. What excites you about Luke Hughes? Well, I I want to establish something that's very, very clear. You know, uh, the Hughes family, uh, the the patriarch is Jim Hughes, you know, uh, played at Providence. He's worked in the NHL, you know, very, very sharp uh, hockey person. Mother, Ellen, She's in the U- University of New Hampshire Hall of Fame, uh, played for the U.S. Women's National Team in the World Championships in the early 90s. I want to make it very clear that the boys got all of their skating from Ellen. Mm-hmm. From Ellen, not Jimmy. <laughs> now, all kidding aside, you know, Luke, Luke is, is he, he's his own player. You know, we, we know what Jack is, we know what Quinn is, and, and, and they're certainly superb talents. But, you know, Luke is superb in his own way, and, and the way I would describe him is all-round defenseman. He, you know, I don't think there's going to be one area of the game that he clearly uh, excels at, but he's going to be excelling at just being that defenseman that can go out and play regardless of the situation, regardless of the opponent, and find ways to help your team end up on the right side of the score. All right, so that's your top five. Now we're going to start jumping around a little bit, and we're going to start with the first goaltender ranked uh, in your top 75. At number seven, Jesper Wallstead. Uh, lots of people think this guy could sneak into the uh, top five. Um, maybe just the, um, the, the, the goaltender that he is and why it would be worth taking him this high if there was a team out there. Okay, so I'll answer the, the second question first. I, I project him as a number one 55 game a year goaltender. Now we know goaltenders are platooning a lot more and everything. So maybe it's 50 games. I don't know, but he's got all the requisite qualities uh, to be a number one goaltender. The the hockey sense, ability to read the play, you know, the technical abilities and, and the athletic abilities. You know, he, he is, you know, when we talk about, we hear this term, I hear this over the years, the ability to slow the game down, the ability to see the game in slow motion. Well, that speaks to being really capable of processing the game. And Jesper Wallstadt, to me, processes the game very well. He understands, uh, you know, where the challenges are going to come from. And he, he's very advanced. I, I hear this lots. Uh, all goaltenders that take longer to develop. I don't think, uh, outside of a couple of players, that there's any player you could draft, forward or defenseman, that's further ahead on the development curve than Jesper Wallstadt. That sounds good, especially for high-level scouting. How about Dylan Gunther, Edmonton Oil King? What skill set about him excites you? Well, the Olympics are starting on Friday, right? So if I had to pick an Olympic event, I would look at the balance beam because that is what Dylan Gunther is. He's balanced. 
he can score goals. He can set up goals. He, he can play in a heavy checking game. He can play in a hard physical game. He can play in a high-end fast game. He can kill penalties. He plays on the power play. That's, a, that's an incredible balance for a player that doesn't have to hang his hat on, on, on one coat hook. He or one hat hook. He can he can do the things that you know the situation calls for, and and, and to me that's a very very uh, valuable player to have on your roster. I don't know what Matt uh, what uh, Matthew Coronado's nickname is, but it it might be hands because his hands are pretty slick uh, as he showed in the USHL. When you watch Matthew Coronado, what stands out? Well, I'll tell you what his nickname is. It's the Bison. <laughs> the bison. That's what they call him. The bison. Well, let me tell you about this bison. This bison has horns. And he is the, you know, you think about a bison. What does a bison do? It, it, it's hungry. It attacks. It muscles its way through. And Matthew's not the biggest player, but he's a determined player. And you combine the skating, the quickness, the determination, the, the puck skills. You know what? I don't know how he ended up with the nickname bison. But I want that bison on my side. I don't want to be going against them. Yeah, I think most players are, are going to find that as it goes. Uh, okay, uh, Cole Sillinger uh, played with the uh, Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL, another guy formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, and, and obviously a son of an NHLer. So uh, tell us about Cole Sillinger. Well, the, the, if you're going to look for highlight real plays from Cole Sillinger, keep looking. Good luck. He's not a flash and dash player. Now, you want to dig into the hard areas of the game, and you want to look at who, who's getting the puck out of the boards, who's making the play while taking a hit, who's driving the net, picking up a rebound. That's Cole Sillinger. You know, it doesn't matter where you play him, who you play him with. He's going to find a way to be productive. All right, a second goaltender on this list, and I love it. Uh, the goalie union thanks you for having three goalies in your top three. I like that. And Sebastian Kosa is an Edmonton Oil King uh, that has had spectacular numbers on a very good team uh, in Edmonton. Um, give me your scouting report on Kosa. Don't be surprised if he's first goalie selected. Don't be surprised if he turns out being the best goaltender in this draft. And that's not anything against Jesper Wallstad or my assessment. That's about how good Sebastian Kosa is. Huge presence in the net. And I'm not just talking about being six foot six. I'm talking about the way he commands the net. He's got outstanding athletic ability. He's quick, but he, he, he's not sloppy. He's not loose, which speaks to advanced technical ability. And he, like Jesper Wallstad, in my view, there's no forward or defenseman that you're going to be able to draft outside of, of, a, of a handful, and that might only be two guys, that are further advanced in their development than uh, Sebastian Kosa. So, you know, the argument about, oh, it takes goaltenders longer to develop, not with these two guys. That is going to be an interesting situation to watch for sure. Uh, Brennan Othman is a player who uh, went overseas, then came back, and you got to see him at the uh, the U18s in Texas. What did you see uh, that was different about his game after the U18s compared to maybe last year or the last time you saw him in the OHL? Uh, perfect, you know, straightforward honesty. I've seen the same things from Brennan Othman from the very first time I saw him. And so now I, now when I look at, okay, so what is that? You know, Brennan was playing with Shane Wright with the Don Mills Flyers in the, in the GTHL, minor midget. And, and he was a very accomplished player. And again, 
He is not one of these flash and dash players. He's not going to go end to end. But as you start to watch the game and you start to watch games that are demanding and put a lot of challenges on players to be able to, to get their level of play higher, Brennan does it at every turn. He does it at every turn. He did it in midget. He did it as a minor. He did it as a first-year player in the OHL. And he certainly did it at the U18 tournament. You know, I've compared him to Gabriel Landeskog, you know, and we know what Gabriel has been to the Colorado Avalanche and how well he plays and, and the manner in which he approaches the game. I think Brennan does exactly the same thing. We are going through 32 of Craig's top 75. You can find the full list uh, right there on the screen if you can read really fast, or you can go to tsn.ca and uh, check it out. Uh, get some speed readers on this or something like that. Uh, all right, uh, Western Canadian kid now, uh, once again, uh, a guy that you've been able to watch for a long time, Corson Kuhlemans, who uh, you know excelled at Brooks and, and probably will do the same thing at Wisconsin uh, because he's on a great development path, and they gr- develop uh, great players. What's a comparable? Who's a player comparable when you look at Corson Kuhlemans? It's Brett Seabrook, uh, the three-time Stanley Cup champion and, you know, coming from the Western Hockey League, drafted from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And I remember going and watching Brent in, in his draft year. I'd seen him before that as well. But but Brett played the game with a real sense of calm. And I remember, uh, you know, Brad Robson, a real dear friend of mine, a scout, he, he described Brett Seabrook in this way. He said, he whistles while he works. And I started to laugh about that. I said, yeah, everybody looks at Brent Seabrook and says, oh, he needs to be more intense or anything. He was intense. He enjoyed being intense, though. He could sing while he was being intense. And Corson Kuhlemans, to me, you know, he's got real strong offensive capabilities. He can shoot that puck. He gets open to shoot the puck. He knows how to get it through. He can thread the needle in the offensive zone, which to me are real hallmarks of offensive defensemen. And you talk about the development path for him. He will continue to develop all the different areas of his game. And I think he's going to be a really good, strong defenseman in the National Hockey League. And you know what? If you turn out to be anywhere near the level of Brent Seabrook, I'm going to whistle that tune all the way to the end of time. No kidding. That would be a terrific career path. All right, another defenseman uh, right after him on, on your list, ranked at 21, Carson Lambos. Maybe uh, is if, if there's a difference between Kuhlemans and, and Lambos and what sets La- Carson Lambos aside as a defenseman? Very different players. Very different players. Yeah, they both have uh, defensemen uh, as position next to their names. But Carson is, is, is an excellent skating defenseman, and he, he can – pick up speed in the game, he can slow down the game, but also with it, his mind is always rapidly, you know, assessing where the opportunities are going to be. And he, he, you know, when I first saw Carson play, you know, I saw, uh, you know, an approach to the game that reminded me of Scott Niedermeyer. Scott Niedermeyer, obviously we know what Scott did in his career, just unbelievable, but he was that player that, that defensively, you know, he'd be playing the one-on-one, and all of a sudden, he would get under your stick and take the puck from you, and he was gone. And the other players were looking, what just happened there? Like, what did he just do to me? And I think Carson has a very similar approach, very attuned to what's going on in the game with the puck, without the puck, offensively, defensively. He really does make the game look incredibly easy. 
and that's because of, of the of the outstanding skating ability he possesses and, and a real, real strong uh, hockey uh, acumen. All right, Xavier Borgo is interesting. I'm, I, I have not seen this player play, so I'm going by the improvement uh, in the point totals, which is we shouldn't always look at point totals, but you can see steady improvement as a 16-year-old and, and continuing and even during the pandemic. So that's what I see in the statistics. What did you see in his play from his first year in the queue until most recently? Okay, so you, you watch a young player come into the league. So the first thing they're trying to do is not be overwhelmed, right? So you're trying to play the game really smartly. You're, 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 you're 15 years old, 16 years old as Xavier was. You know, you, you're not, you don't have the physical stature to go in there and, and get yourself involved in all those physical battles. It's your, it's your first time playing against players three and four years older than you. But you can always demonstrate your hockey sense and you can always demonstrate, okay, this is what I can do and I'm aware of it. And certainly uh, when you watch Xavier, I think that the, the progression has been perfectly coinciding with his physical maturity. And so now he, he's stronger, which makes him faster. And when you're faster, you can attack and beat players one-on-one -on -one more. You don't have to, you go, I can get through there instead of being stopped. And I think that that's where you see the advancement uh, with respect to, uh, you know, the offensive numbers. You know, one of the things, and I think this is a great opportunity for me right here to talk about, you know, scouting and, and, and to talk about how you evaluate. So, and I've heard this for years about young players. Oh, he doesn't, oh, he doesn't get involved in the, in the physical battles. Oh, God, look at him. He just got knocked over. We're talking about 17-year-old players, youngsters, right? And, you know, one of the things is, is if you're, if you're young and, and you're not physically capable, why are you going to go try to take on somebody bigger and stronger than you? And if, if you're not quite quick enough yet, you know, you're going to get pushed off the puck and you're going to, you know, maybe not win those one-on-one -on -one battles. But I don't look at that. I look at, are they trying to attack? Are they engaging in those battles? Do they understand that there's no upside to go on and taking on a bigger, stronger player? It's not about if they win it at that point in time. It's about do they go and engage? I can't begin to tell you, Dean, how many times I've seen bigger, stronger players, more physically mature players at a younger age, more advanced, shall we say, that, you know, while they had the physical, like, they didn't engage. They didn't attack, even though they might have been a little bit quicker and bigger. They didn't, but yet somehow, oh boy, look at them. Look at how big he is. And I think that when you're scouting, you better look at the areas of the game about engaging, using your head, understanding that you might not be strong enough to win those battles. But this is where projection comes in. If a player is engaging despite not having the, uh, the, the maturity to, to, to win them, as opposed to a player that might have the physical maturity but isn't engaging, I'm not taking the latter guy any day of the week. I don't want him because that is indicative of, of, of a flaw that I think is inherent. I never saw that in Xavier. And I think the progression with Xavier Bordeaux has been just the physical maturity and with it comes confidence and with it comes more productivity. And it's a vicious positive circle. 
Awesome stuff. Well, the U18s had some really big names and a, and a lot of hype. And some, some other guys played really well despite not getting the attention going into that tournament. And Nikita Chabrikov, I think, is one of those guys that, uh, you know, probably really impressed a lot of scouts at that tournament. Uh, I mean, he, he did. And I don't think there would be any reason to leave that tournament and not be impressed by Chabrikov. But, you, you know, watching him over time, you know, he, he, he is a good offensive player. More than that, he, he's a hungry, determined offensive player. And, you know, one of the things, again, back to, you know, your scouting, you know, you, you, see, the, you see the level of intensity. You see the, uh, the challenges become greater and more demanding. You want to watch how players, you know, attack those and, and how they try to find ways to be successful when there is that hard challenge and when there is a little bit more resistance. Chabrikov has shown very clearly that he's up to that task. And when he's got magic hands, he's got unbelievable hands. And when I talk about a release and deception with those hands, it's a little bit like Nikita Kucherov. Oh, that's that's pretty impressive. The thing I love about the draft is the debates that, that we can all get into. Some people have a person ranked here and everybody has their board. You've talked about like going off the board doesn't exist because everybody has a board. And Fabian Lysel is, is an interesting player. Uh, some people have him ranked close to the uh, the top five. Other has him ranked a little bit lower. What do you see in Fabian Lysel? Well, I see a, I see a good offensive uh, score. And, you know, somebody that can shoot the puck, he's accurate shooting the puck. He's also good in and around the net. But as a winger, I see him as a player that's going to have to find a half a step of quickness, a little bit more speed, and he's going to need to get the puck on the move. You know, one of the things that happens when you get to the NHL or you're trying to find your way to the NHL, the space is smaller and the time is less and the players are bigger and stronger. So, you know, if you're not if you're not being able to create that little bit of separation, that little bit of space to get your shot off, doesn't matter how accurate your shot is, if you can't get that separation and get into that open space against players that are defending you fiercely, you're going to have a tough time. So for Fabian, I, I, I like the offensive abilities. I like the thinker in him. I like the way he can score in different ways. But he, he's going to have to find uh, at least a half a step of quickness to be able to have success at the NHL level. All right. Uh, another goaltender, another guardian who is excellent at uh, the U18s. And sometimes being really good means staying in the game when other guys can't. And, and that's a, a big thing for Canadian goaltenders. But when it came to crunch time, he was dialed in, even though some of the some of the games he wasn't seeing a lot of actions. Uh, action. What, what what are your thoughts on Benjamin Gaudreau at the U18s and and moving into the draft this year? Well, here's what I would tell you. You, you just gave me uh, an idea for a nickname, and I'm going to use it. So, but I, I'll, I'll credit you. I'll give you every. I don't <laughs> even know if you if if you know where I'm headed with this. What, no. What idea you just gave me? I'm going to start calling him Benjamin Guardian Gaudreau. I like it. It's it, like it. it's got some it's got a little bit of uh, sizzle to it, doesn't yeah. it? Alliteration oh, is my friend. I love alliteration. So okay, there we go. You know, I, I've watched Benjamin for a few years. I've watched Benjamin at minor midget. I've watched Benjamin uh, as a as a sixteen year old player, U seventeen, and 
you know, you watch Benjamin and you see these really good athletic abilities. You see, uh, you know, a, a goaltender that is that is working and, and, and trying to, you know, do everything he can. But his technical, you know, acumen, you know, and you're, when you're bigger and stronger and more athletic at a younger age, you get away with it. But as you move up, you know, the technical uh, shortcomings can, can be exposed to a little bit greater extent. So watching him 15 to 16 to 17 now, I, I got to tell you, Dean, the, the, the progression in terms of him, you know, still maintaining that ability uh, to use his athletic uh, attributes to, to great advantage have been balanced now by just that real good, calm, technical ability. He reads the play exceptionally well. He's patient in his positioning. He, he's going to wait out a shooter. And so when we talk about the U18 tournament, he hadn't played for a year. Hadn't played for a year. And now, obviously, he's working on his game in different areas. Now you're thrust into high-level competition. I thought he met the demands of that tournament just in such an exceptional way. But more than that, really showed me those progression. So as, as we've talked about previously, I need to differentiate between developmental flaws or weaknesses and inherent weaknesses. I don't think you can fix inherent weaknesses. I think developmental weaknesses are ones that you continue to work on, and that's where you want to find out about the player, how much he invests, you know, what is, what, you know, what his focus is on trying to improve. Does he recognize where it's at? To me, Benjamin Goudreau uh, does all those things, and and has certainly demonstrated that to me. To where I have the confidence to say he's a number one goaltender potential in the NHL. Very interesting. Uh, number 33 on the list, Alexander Kisikov. I, I hope I pronounced that uh, properly. Uh, what are what are some of those uh, developmental f- uh, you know, flaws and, and getting weaknesses, stronger? Yeah. yeah, weaknesses versus inherent. Uh, do, do you see any of those with him? Um, you know, a guy who's a little bit smaller, so he's going to try to get stronger, but that's a developmental thing again, right? So you can't really blame a guy for his genes. He can work hard and, and, and try to get stronger, but what do you see in this? player uh, a, a real dynamic offensive player you know I you know I look at Kisikoff and I, I, I you know and I, I haven't had a big opportunity to see him live and you, you, you try to you go look at video and watch game tape and really try to understand what the player brings but based on what I've watched I, I really like I really like his his hunger and and he he's got that what what I like to call and you, you know uh, you know him very well dear friend the late Brad McCrimmon mm-hmm. he's got snap to his game and I'm not talking about physical snap I'm talking about offensive snap that hey I got a chance I want the puck give me the puck the puck's on my stick I'm I'm looking to score that's how I use the word snap as Brad McCrimmon uh, you know used it uh, to describe players in a lot of different ways. Interesting, and and anytime you can compare a player to Beast, uh, it's it's a good day. You know the the story that Kelly tells me in the Memorial Cup in '79, where he played 58 of 60 minutes, and the only reason he didn't play 60 is because he was in the penalty box. Kind of tells you everything you, you need to know about Brad McCrimmon, doesn't it? Well, it, it does. I mean, Br- Brad was. I mean, first of all, I mean, you you, you talk about uh, the, an intelligent, intelligent person. On like, fan, like he could talk to you about anything. 
anything on the planet he could talk to you about. You want to talk about growing up farming in Plenty, Saskatchewan? Great. You want to talk about economic uh, uh, initiatives? You want to talk about tax policy, politics? You want to talk about development? You want to talk about what it was like to play for the Boston Bruins or the Philadelphia Flyers? Brad could 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 go on and talk about it in so many different ways. And, you know, and he, he was he was in it to win it. Th that was the that was the way I, Brad was only interested in winning. And so when, when he uses the term snap and he talked about development and he, so many things that I catch my I don't catch myself, I celebrate myself talking about to this day, you know, Brad was uh, was a, was a real professor. In, in a lot of ways that have helped me as a student, uh, I, I believe be better, but certainly he was uh, instrumental in educating me in a lot of different areas. And as you point out about Brad McCrimmon, I mean, do they come as good? Maybe they don't come better. Yeah, he was he was a beauty guy for sure. How about Jack Pert? Uh, interesting. Played a little high school. Uh, played a little USHL. And for those people wondering, high school hockey in the United States is is terrific. It is excellent, excellent hockey. And a lot of guys go from that into into college. So he's going to Saint Cloud State uh, in twenty one twenty two. Tell me a little bit about Jack Pert. So what I would tell you about Jack is you watch a player in high school, right? You watch him within his age group. And, you, you, you know, you see a lot of ability, and certainly Jack has ability. But when he took his game to the USHL, there, there was no stepping back. There was, a, there, there was an opportunity for him uh, to play, but he took that opportunity and said, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to play. And, you know, he's a good skater. He's, he, he's really poised with the puck. And one of my favorite things about Jack is his ability to use deception. Uh, to try to create openings. And, you know, when you, I mean, obviously he's going to get a chance to play college hockey and with that, you know, uh, work on, on his game, as I say all the time. Mo the vast majority of players need more time, not less. But Jack Pert has, has NHL attributes that I think are really, really positive. All right, uh, number 40 on your list is Josh Doan, son of uh, former Winnipeg Jet great uh, Shane Doan. And I love he's going to Arizona State, obviously grew up uh, a lot of his life in, in Arizona for his dad's career. So that's a real flag uh, for Arizona State to get this player. Does the apple fall far from the tree with Josh Doan? Uh, well, I, I don't know what we're looking for when we're trying to find the apple from the jaw from the Shane Doan apple tree. <laughs> what I will tell you is this: is that Josh is a really smart player. Josh is a player that when I first saw him play uh, midget, he he was fifteen or sixteen years old playing in the USHL, not in the USHL, but a USHL Fall Classic. They brought sixteen midget teams in. Shane was there. Scott Niedermeyer's son was there. Uh, Joe Newendike's son was there. So you see them there, and now you go. I'm interested in watching the the young players. I, I'm going to say Josh was five four, 125 pounds. That's what he was. Hmm. Now I know. I know when Shane was 15, he was much bigger and bulkier. But as I've watched Josh, and you know, so you watch it. You, you got the benefit of watching him in midget. Didn't you watch him come into the USHL and play with Chicago? And you know, his very first year there, you know, he didn't have as much of an opportunity. He had a good team. Then the next year, this is I'm going back to the 2020 draft. I thought that he would have been a terrific later round draft pick. 
Define that as fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, because I believed last year that he had a lot of potential. Well, guess what happened this year? That potential started to show itself to the point that he became not just a good prospect, but I think one of those prospects that has so much more room to grow. I know he's went through a draft. I don't care. I'm looking for players that I think can play in the NHL and be really productive. Also, that five foot four, 125 pound player, not anymore. He's a, he's a big kid with a lot of potential uh, to become even more physically stronger, and, and and he will. And when I watch him play the game, it, it's really it's it's really impressive his progression. Let me just say this: I've known Shane since he was 16 years age, right? And we talk about fantastic people. Mm-hmm. Maybe some is good, none better. I love Josh Doan. A guy you would have on your team any day. Oh, yep, just like his dad. Exactly. All right, let's talk about a uh, a Russian defenseman now in uh, Kirill Kursanov. Uh, tell me what type of defenseman you see him being, and do you have a NHL comparable? <laughs> you know what's funny? You know, and, and, and this is not by design, okay? This is not anywhere by design. But we were just talking about Brad McCrimmon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'd never thought about Kersanoff as a, as a Brad, with Brad McCrimmon as a comparable. You know Brad McCrimmon. A lot of our listeners and reviewers do, do not know Brad McCrimmon. But let me just say, Brad, you know, you know, big, strong, smart, cerebral defenseman. And, you know, he, he, he was territorial, but moved the puck, understand how to play the game. That to me is his Kirsanov. Kirsanov to me, uh, you know, he, he, you look at him and I hear the criticisms. Oh, he's not a great skater. Oh, okay. Well, he's not big. Oh, he doesn't have a booming shot. He doesn't dazzle you with these stick handling moves. All I know is that when I watch Kirsanov play, I see a player that is really smart defensively, really smart when the puck's on his stick, knows how to make plays in the offensive zone, competes to the nth degree, battles you at every turn. And all I see in him is that player that I want on my blue line. Do I think he's going to be a top pair defenseman? No, but do I want him in my top three, top four? Absolutely. Because I think when push comes to shove, he's the one shoving, he's not getting pushed. Indeed, uh, and that's a defenseman that you know is going to stay in the game. All right, another blue liner back in North America going to the University of Denver, number 44 on your list, uh, Sean Berens. Tell us about Sean. Well, Sean to me is is a lot like Ryan Lindgren, who played at the National Team Development Program, was drafted by Boston, traded to the New York Rangers. And, and probably, I would probably give Sean a little bit more uh, of, an, of, a, of an edge on the offensive side of things. Sean jumps into the attack. He's in the offensive zone. He takes the initiative there, but highly competitive. Ryan isn't as good offensively, but really fierce physically and really, you know, looking to try to do everything he can to deter opponents and back them down. Uh, Sean doesn't have the same physical bent, but but I see similarities in their game. Like I said, Lindgren a little bit more weighted physically, Sean a little bit more weighted offensively, but 
you know, the opportunity to go to Denver and develop, I think, is really positive for Sean. And the way he plays the game with that, what I like to call, he, he, he plays on his toes and he plays forward. And I love that with defensemen. And I think Sean has a lot of good uh, attributes that uh, are going to allow him to play in the NHL uh, one day. Logan Stankoven has been a very good Kamloops blazer. Um, when you see Logan Stankoven, is there anything you think is an inherent uh, flaw or are they development flaws in his game? You know, Logan is a really smart player. And he, he's a player that, you know, knows his way around the offensive zone really well. But, you know, when you, when you watch him play, you, you see him invested. Like, you know, at the U18 tournament, he's killing penalties and blocking shots, which, you know, is a little, which is a little lens into the soul of a hockey player, what he's willing to do. He doesn't just see him as, as, as himself as an offensive player. He sees himself as, okay, this is what I got to do now. I got to go dig a puck out of the corner. That's what I'm going to do. I got to go get in front of the net and take abuse to score. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, so when the puck's on his stick, Count on a good play being made, whether it be, you know, making a pass or whether it be getting to the net with a shot. He's really good in that area. Logan, again, he's a player that's going to have to find uh, more quickness and and escape. It's not about a willingness to get to where it matters and, and, and pay the price. It's about being able to engage uh, to his strengths of his skills and not, and not being pushed away because he doesn't have that element of quickness. Do I think it can improve? Yeah, I do. But we're, we're looking at a really good offensive player and a, and a terrific competitor. All right, how about James Malatesta, um, the Quebec Ramparts, uh, and had a uh, pretty successful Canada U-17 in 2019-20. How much do you think that, um, you know, performance, experience, and everything has helped him develop in this past year? Uh, Well, I I think that uh, this last year, players have been challenged in so many different ways, Dean you know, starts and stops to, to, to their seasons, pauses, uncertainty surrounding it. And so I think all players have gone through it. But you're trying to you're trying to build on your skill set. And James is a really good offensive player. He, he he's he's what I would call he's able to slither his way into those advantageous positions offensively at the right time to get the puck, at the right time to beat somebody. He's not into these battles where he's got to fend off a defender and then get the puck. He he doesn't engage in the areas of, of having to fight off a defender. He thinks and then he gets through and does a terrific job of being able uh, to to finish in and around the net. I think he's a really good offensive player. I think once he physically matures, he's he's going to become that much better. But when you look at his his puck skills in and around the net, the the, the scoring mind, the offensive mind, there's lots to like about James Malatesta. All right, uh, this is a name hockey fans will know. Robert, you can call me Bobby Orr if you would like. Um, and I don't think anybody skates like Bobby Orr, but Robert Orr uh, forechecks uh, with breakneck speed from, from what I'm hear, hearing. So tell us about this Robert Orr. Well, I mean, Yanni Gord is, is the player I would compare Robert hmm. Orr to. Yep. 
that you know you you watch Robert play. You talked about the four check, and you talked about the, he, he. I call it after it and on it approach. So you're after the puck, you're after the play, you're after it, and then you're on it. You're, you you stay in the battle. You're and you don't go away. You ne Yanni Gord never goes away, and Robert Orr has that type of an approach to the game. And like Yanni Gord, Yanni Gord has some good offensive abilities and has demonstrated. I think Robert has some uh, good offensive abilities. It's not going to be uh, you know this prolific score, but. The way he approaches the game, the way he plays the game, lots of time for him. Right, and if he was that prolific scorer, uh, he would be yeah. uh, a seventeen or oh seven in on the list. As you know, and 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 these are great players that every team in the NHL and the UFHL needs to fill out your roster. You're not just all. Not every first round pick is a as a top pairing or a top three guy. So let's go to another defenseman in Cameron Wynat, uh, Why not of Halifax? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Too easy, right? That's Cameron Cameron is that uh, what, what what I call exceptionally poised. On the blue line, he's never in a rush. You know, he, he's always looking for options, where to move the puck. He, he's a really good passer, really good skater, and, and, and has a lot of confidence in his game. And, and one of those players, that if you're an offensive player, a forward playing with Cameron, why not? You're going to get the puck on your stick at the right time where you have space to operate and, you know, where you're going to be able to be able to take advantage, whether it be on the rush, whether it be in the offensive zone where you can get your shot off Cameron has those qualities as a as a as a defenseman and I, I really like you know obviously again it goes without saying about all the players what they've gone through you know I, I think Cameron has has some really good potential to to you know be a, a real solid NHL defenseman all right, Red Savage in at uh, number 61 on your list, going to Miami University of Ohio. What sort of things uh, does Red Savage need to work on during his college career uh, to get to the NHL level? So son of uh, former NHL Brian Savage, mm. played for, was drafted by Montreal, great golfer Brian is. But you, you know what, Redmond, Red, whatever, however he wants to go by, he, he is a dogged competitor good skater and th there is nothing in the game that he's not going to get fully invested in I, I am convinced that if you, that if the goalie went down and you had you needed somebody to put the pads on red would get in there and and give you everything he's got face-offs for checking blocking shots penalty killing trying to create offensive chances i i think with red he's another player that uh, to me has has a lot of potential and, you know, I, I, I think at times when you have that type of competitive fire, sometimes there's this desire to do more. I, I think as he matures, he's going to learn that less is more. And by that, and let me describe what, what, what I mean by he tries to do too much at times and less is more. Sometimes you beat the one guy. You don't have to try to beat the second guy. But because you're so determined, you go, oh, he can't stop me. I just beat that guy. Understanding that, okay, I did my job there. Now I'm going to slide it over here. Smart player, good, good, good understanding of the game. I just, I just think that as he matures, he's going to understand that uh, you know what I don't have to uh, uh, do everything all the time. At this, recognizing uh, that hey, a, a, a little bit less of this is going to be more, and that's what the term "less is more" comes to. What can you tell us about another goaltender in Tristan Lennox? 
you know, I, I really think Tristan has a lot of ability. I, I, I think that Tristan, you know, one of the one of the big things with Tristan is is just that, you know, tr trying to find that 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 sense of what I calm in the net. You know, he's got talent. He shows you the real good technical ability. He shows you the really good uh, sense and feel for the for the position and the game. But at, at, at times, he, he gets himself unsettled. He gets himself into his own problems. I think that this, this is a developmental weakness. I think that as I talk about uh, Sebastian Colson, I talk about Jesper Wallstead being more advanced in that technical part. I think for Tristan, it's just about, you know, getting, getting to that sense of calm. I, I talked about Benjamin Goudreau and Benjamin, you know, you know, just finding that, hey, I'm, I'm comfortable in my positioning. And Dean, you know, as a former goaltender, so it's hard sometimes to just be calm in your positioning because there's lots going on around you. But it's that sense of, I, I, I call it, you know, quiet mind, calm feet. And I think mm -hmm. that that's something that Tristan has to work on. But he, he's got lots of uh, talent and uh, he could be one of those goaltenders as he develops in that area. You know, we're talking about somebody, wow, look where they got him. What a good goaltender they got. Avili Koivinen is not the finished flash, but he did flash his skill at the U18s. What did you think of there, him there and his overall game? Yeah, well, I think his overall game is one that's uh, that, that's two-way and well-rounded. I mean, offensively, he's good. Defensively, he's good. I, he's, he's a player. You know, I, I always look for players, too. It's not just about the individual. It's about what I call interplay with their with their with their line mates with their teammates and i think koivinen has really good interplay uh with his with his line mates and his teammates and by that what i mean hey somebody's ahead of you or somebody needs to get the puck on the move he's going to do that oh i got to go dig the puck off the boards here and i got to get to that puck first so that you know i can create an opportunity for us in the offensive zone oh i got the puck to the to the defenseman i got to get to the net here create a screen or an opportunity for a second chance he, to me, he's got a really good, strong sense of the game and, and what I call interplay with his line mates and his teammates. All right, three to go. Matvey Petrov, uh, a uh, left winger from Russia. Is is this guy uh, an offensive, uh, like a one-shot, wrist-shot scorer? No, I wouldn't say that. He's, he, he plays the left wing. He's a right shot. He's, he's got lots of uh, talent. And, you know, he skates well, he shoots the puck well, he handles the puck well. You know, I talk about other players, Dean, that, you know, I feel, you know, understand that like, okay, this part of the game I, is important. This part of the game I have to, so you don't have to hang your hat in one area. I think Matt Bay has to find his way past, okay, I, I can be more than just a scorer because, what Matt Fay has found himself caught in is, is that if he's not scoring or getting opportunities, his game tends to fall down a level, fall down a notch. He ended up being a, a, a scratch for Russia at the U18 tournament. And it wasn't because of his talent. It had to do with if he wasn't scoring, he, he wasn't doing enough of the other things to help the team. And the coach recognized it and just said, listen, I know what you can do, but by just having you in the lineup and if you're not scoring and you're and he was moving further away from scoring the coach didn't play him and i think that that is something where good offensive players have to recognize 
Because if you're going to be a one-trick pony and you're going to be just one-dimensional in your play, you better be really, really good in that dimension. Because if you're not, you're not going to get a lot of leeway. And Petrov didn't get it at the U18. All right, uh, we'll finish with uh, two NHL sons. Chase Stillman, Corey Stillman's son, plays in Sudbury, but this year played in Denmark. What do you What do you like about him? Well, I mean, Chase has a has a big motor. He, he you know he's competitive. Uh, he loves to play physical. He loves to grind it out. You know, at, at times I watch Chase, and I and, and I and, and I'd like to see him be uh, use more of his offensive prowess. And, and and you know, this is something you have to be patient with and understand. And I'm talking about from my perspective, is that U18? It seemed like he was just going to he was going to hit and hit and hit and hit and hit and when he was finished hitting he was going to hit some more okay that's great but if that's the only part of your game that uh is going to be able to allow you to have an impact in the game that's limiting and i've seen chase make good plays i've seen chase you know be able to uh provide offense but quite frankly you know when when, when i watch him in that environment uh, and, and it's not about one-off. I've seen it previously at different times. You know, it's something that he, that to me, I think he's got more offensive ability than at times he demonstrates. And I don't want to just see that, that, that single-minded player that can only do one thing. And he skates well and he competes well and he's, he's involved in the hard areas of the game. And that has value. But at, at, at what point do you say that that value is at, at, at this point of the, of the projection, uh, you know, meter? And, and, and that's why I have chased down a little bit because it's a question that I have about it. And certainly uh, as time goes on, it's something I'll be watching for. And uh, if he develops and, and gets more of that balance in his game, he, he's going to have, a, a, I think, a better opportunity to make that impact in more ways than just physical competitive play. All right, Justin Robida now, uh, his father also played uh, in the National Hockey League uh, with the Dallas Stars uh, for a lot of years. And we talk about differences. The position is the biggest difference. Uh, uh, Justin is a forward, where his father was a, a defenseman. What kind of forward is he? he well, he's, a, he's, a, he's an offensive forward. He's good with the puck. He's smart. He's competitive. I mean, he, he, here's, here's a couple things with Justin. You know, is he quick enough and fast enough to be able to bring that skill to the National Hockey League? Because he's not going to bring a physical element to the game. He's not going to bring a size presence to the game. And, you know, I, I certainly appreciate Justin's uh, uh, skill. I, I love his brain, the way he thinks the game and how competitive he is. But, you know, I've seen at, at, at times with Justin in junior hockey and, and even at the U-17, as you move up the level, he, he didn't participate at the U-18, is a player that, you know, doesn't have those dynamic skills, especially in the skating. And if, if you don't have them and you're being negated to, to a certain extent, there can't be an expectation that that's going to all of a sudden be able uh, to be productive at the NHL level. And so right now, that's the question mark I have on Justin. That's the question mark uh, you look at and say, okay, if he, if he improves in these areas, okay, he's going to have a chance. If he doesn't improve in those areas, I think his chances are very limited. 
Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much uh, for doing this today, this lightning round. Uh, And of course, I'll be touching base with you later this week to make sure our draft list is in order for this weekend. And uh, you and Trish will be celebrating all the players of high-level scouting that uh, get drafted. Enjoy the expansion draft, the actual draft, and the UFHL draft this weekend. Craig, thanks so much for joining us today. Lightning round. I love it. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's fitting. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What you talking about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. UFFS, you own the game. a lot of fun big thanks to uh, craig for giving us a little bit of extra time this week on that one and uh, thank you to craig uh, for joining us all season Uh, it is truly an honor to chat with him Uh, what we're going to try to do is uh, we'll have two more episodes one next week where we'll recap the nhl draft and then we wrap up the season with uh, craig's council and that's story time and scouting tips. So if you have a question for Craig, email me tracking the draft at gmail.com and we can get it into the rotation, whether it's about a player, uh, how to scout uh, any particular player, or uh, a story or a question about his uh, scouting in the past. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, we never get through all of the questions. So we have some from the past shows. And if you have some more, please email them tracking the draft at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe, leave us a review, let us know what you think of the program. Click that bell on YouTube on UFSN. You will get an update every time we put out any kind of programming. Reminder, check out www.uffsports.com. You can register as a fan, a scout, staff member. You want to buy a team, you get in on that. You can try anyway. These teams are going fast. To advertise on this show, hit me up, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Here's the schedule we got. The UFFS podcast, Two Minute Tuesday with Darren Bates. This show on Wednesdays with Craig. Full count fantasy baseball Thursday mornings at my time, noon Eastern. UFHL now on Friday and the ultimate roundtable once a month on Saturday. Big thanks to Craig Button. Thanks to you for joining me on the program. This is Tracking the Draft, where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. Good luck to all UFHL teams and UFHL scouts this weekend.